let's talk about Forbidden Door 2. That's happening on June 25th, 2023. What up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode, we are doing a prediction podcast episode for Forbidden Door 2. Am I entirely thrilled about Forbidden Door? No, I'm not. Because the first one was good, decent, all right, you know, a fantasy card made up. And this one is just like got thrown together, just whatever matches, whoever was available. And I really think we need to have a conversation about the idea of Forbidden Door, right? Not to be sexual or anything like that. It's not like that for any non-wrestling fans that are listening to this podcast episode. So Forbidden Door was coined by Tanahashi. Tanahashi just said it as a throwaway phrase to describe Forbidden Door of like companies working together because in the past during the territory days, companies always worked with each other and always had their best top guy versus another top guy of another promotion. So it is not unheard of to do big star-studded dream matches in the form of a pay-per-view. However, I still think that Forbidden Door needs a little bit of storytelling for specific type of matches, whether or not that is championships put on the line or something that has been building and now you guys can cross paths in a one-on-one fight at Forbidden Door rather than just rushing everything and being like, hey, who's available? Okay, you're available, you're available, you're not available. Or if the person was available and was supposed to be there, but then drops out. Like, this is why Forbidden Door shouldn't be right after a pay-per-view that AEW has and squished inside just to pass it off as very decent fantasy booked matches. I think that Forbidden Door should be somewhere in September, maybe August or October, November. One of those months where there's not a lot of activity happening. Now, people can debate me and say that, oh, well, you know, kids are in school, people are at work and people are at college, like giving those excuses. But wrestling fans will find every single way to try to make an event and be there for historic moments, no matter what. They won't go to work. They won't go to school. They won't give a shit. They're like, wrestling is life. Fuck that. So, you know, we can't use those excuses of like, why the idea of having Forbidden Door moved to a different month will hinder it. It won't hinder it at all. Like, trust me, it will not hinder it. I do think that the wrestling world needs Forbidden Door. Do I think that it should have been named Forbidden Door? No, it probably should have been named something else. But then again, for some reason, like horniness and wrestling, like come together sometimes. It's like mad weird. I notice people out there with their mind in the gutter when they hear Forbidden Door 2 pay-per-view. Ooh, what could that be? You know, I do think that sometimes we got to change the names of some of the things that we name in the world of professional wrestling. But we're just going to keep it going with Forbidden Door 2 pay-per-view. But yeah, I do think that it will be better to have it in a different month where you know you could get those big name stars. Like, why the hell is... 
Tamatanga not on this? Why is Hikaleo not on this? Why is Tungaloa not on this? All three of those men are going to be wrestling at the G1 Climax 33 next month, July 15th. So you're telling me that you couldn't get them on the pay-per-view to have fantasy matches with some of the other guys at AEW. Like, you know, Tama versus Jay White. And I know people are going to be like, oh, there's that stipulation of that because he lost to Eddie Kingston, he can't be on any New Japan show. That's a stupid stipulation. I'm going to stand by it no matter what. Jay White deserves to be on these pay-per-views because he is one of the absolute best. Tama needs revenge on Jay White. You know, technically, Jay White signed for AEW, so he's an AEW wrestler. He's not representing New Japan, even though it's a AEWX New Japan show. So technically, it's a more dominated AEW show. So Jay White could be on this Forbidden Door show. Like, it's more AEW. It's not more New Japan. If it was more New Japan, then sure, it's more AEW than that. Because then how do you explain Shibata having a fatal four-way match? We'll get into the matches later. But how do you explain Shibata being there when he's representing Ring of Honor? Because he is the Ring of Honor pure champion. And he's also under the banner of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So what is stopping Jay White from being on an AEWX New Japan pay-per-view where it is more AEW than anything? Because it's AEW releasing the matches. It's AEW making the matches. It's AEW putting everything together, the production and stuff. So what is stopping Jay White truly from being on this show other than a stupid stipulation? If it was heavily New Japan oriented where New Japan was taking care of everything. So booking the matches, the production, the place where it needs to be, if that was all taken care of by New Japan, then sure, I wouldn't be saying JY should be on here. But if it's AEW heavy, JY should be on here. Also, if we are going to continue this year after year after year of Forbidden Door being in the summer, it doesn't feel like a special event. It really doesn't. I barely remember the first Forbidden Door and the matches and the outcomes because it was just matches. And I was explaining this in my tape study series. If you guys are not already watching tape study series with me on kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows or on my newsletter, marieshadows.substack.com or in my Discord where I give voice memos on, you know, the three things that I find wrong with something and this is how you fix it. So, you know, if you're not following my tape study series, I do say that if your match does not have a pre-taped video on bringing people up to speed about what's going to happen, who the wrestler is, the story, all this kind of stuff. You have to make a story and make moments in that match. So that's more pressure to you. That's just the way that it has to go because you want to make sure that the fans, you know, in the arena are entertained, but also the fans at home. Now, granted, you can't control what happens in someone's house because things get distracting or whatever the case may be, but you do want people to, you know, be at the edge of their seats no matter what. So you do have to think on a larger, grander scale. And that's why I say that it's important to have a small 
a small, not complicated story in your matches as you are doing the moves, the spots, everything that is professional wrestling in the matches. If you have a simple story, people will follow. So, you know, that's why sometimes with Forbidden Door being in the summer and being in June, it's sort of like, well, it needs to feel special. It doesn't fucking feel special. And for anyone that will say, yeah, it does, you guys are just blind and you guys just want to have that toxic positivity spread everywhere without being in reality that it's not that special as you think it is. For something like this, where it's AEW and New Japan wrestlers coming together for one night having dream matches, it should automatically feel 100% special no matter where it is in the 12-month calendar. It should feel fucking special. And, you know, it should feel WrestleMania-level special, Royal Rumble-level special, Wrestle Kingdom-level special, like that level of specialness. It should feel like it, no matter where it's at on the calendar. But I could tell you right now, it does not feel like that. And don't give me that shit of like, oh, AEW is only four years old and, you know, this is brand new. No, fuck that shit. You got to go big or go home. You can't keep giving excuses, especially when you want to do something where you're introducing the american audiences to a japanese wrestler and their fan base and having them come over here to the states like it has to feel that fucking important where every single wrestler on that card is important no matter what they all have to have that chip on their shoulder it has to be like bragging rights you know bragging rights it's okay competition is okay you want to know who's the best in this match they have to make it feel like it is, you know, the best thing that you have to watch. Like, fuck everything else. You have to come watch Forbidden Door. It does not feel like that at all. And if someone can really substantially change my mind about that, I am open to listen to you. I'm open to listen to your opinion anyway, but it has to change my mind. If it doesn't, I'm just like, yeah, you regurgitate everything that you hear on the Internet. There is also another thing that I want to tackle, too, for the Internet wrestling community. I really dislike when supposed fans are like, Forbidden Door is not for you. It is for the hardcore fans. You know, you don't have to watch it. First of all, wrestling is built on the foundation of that we all come together for watching this sport and entertainment theater of an act that we all love okay we cheer on wrestlers to almost nearly die we cheer on wrestlers to almost nearly hurt each other we cheer on wrestlers that do death-defying shit in the world of professional wrestling because i know i can do that shit so i'd like cheer this on but i also make sure that they are safe and sound but the point is, we all watch this together. We all bitch about it together. And yet then you're like, this is only for the hardcore fans. If you're a casual fan or saying who, it's not for you. Who are you to dictate or gatekeep professional wrestling when you say in the same breath that wrestling is for all, wrestling is for everyone? No, no, no. We're not gatekeeping wrestling. We're not doing any of that. If somebody in the IWC, and I know there's a lot of baiters out there. I was going to say like clickbaiters, but I guess clickbaiters work too. But there's a lot of people in the IWC that create Twitter posts to get you upset, to get you to retweet them. And they are just doing that for clout for farming impressions and you guys take the bait hook line and sinker and have to say the most ridiculous shit to them 
and not boost up anybody else that will be like, let's keep it all in kayfabe, guys. Hey, what do you like about Forbidden Door? Cool, you like that? I'm going to tend to disagree, but I'm glad that you like it. You know, there are people out there that will have that type of conversation with you. But when you constantly put the other people up on a pedestal that only do it for clout and engagement and don't contribute to the whole entire ecosystem that is the IWC you're doing a disservice to you and everyone else but yet they want to say oh wrestling is for everyone no stop being a hypocrite stop doing that stop going after the IWC accounts that do it just to get you upset Start supporting people that will take the time out of their day to research wrestling, to talk about wrestling, to put it in a positive and realistic light, and that, you know, want to make sure that other people in the IWC are getting their voices heard and having conversations and moving the needle along and leaving everybody who wants to just get clout and anger out of people in the dust, okay? So... The reason why we ask for stories for the Forbidden Door is because there's stories for Wrestle Kingdom. There's stories for Royal Rumble. There's stories for WrestleMania, the biggest pay-per-views of the entire 12-month calendar. Why can we have a little bit of storytelling with some of these matches rather than last-minute put-together stuff? If you enjoy last-minute put-together stuff, you need to be going to your local wrestling promotion and supporting your local wrestling promotion because I can guarantee you that the local wrestling promotion puts matches together at last moment. And you're like, cool, I'm going to enjoy the match, but I'm just, I'm just here for like, you know, having a fun time. The Forbidden Door pay-per-view needs to be on that star power level. It can have all the names in the world, right? But if the story is not there, then what's the point of me spending the money to watch it? Other than like the big names. Like, I need something a little bit extra to be like, all right, it is worth the $50 that it is. But getting back to the point of we're not gatekeeping professional wrestling here and why we need stories. The point overall is that wrestling should be for everyone. There are people that would take advantage of other people's angers. You guys got to get that shit in checked. And not do anything productive. And then, you know, you can teach the masses only but so much. And if they're not going to listen, just block and move on. But there are other people that would want the knowledge that you have about the wrestlers. And those are the ones that you uplift and take with you and build your community from there. I just don't like the fact that we have to say, oh, this isn't for you. Don't watch. Excuse me? We're all watching the same thing. We all like the same thing. We all bitch about the same thing. Let us all enjoy it together either way. Because, you know, someone's criticism can have the light bulb effect of, oh, that makes sense. Let's try it rather than just shooing it away. But then again, you have to pick and choose. You have to pick out, you know, the golden nuggets out of the shit because, the shit right now in the IWC, it's a lot more, has a lot more, has a bigger hold than getting the nuggets out. But yeah, let's not gatekeep wrestling. Let's not do that. Let's try to help 
bring knowledge together and unify the people who want to learn rather than the clout chasers because the clout chasers don't add anything to our internet wrestling community ecosystem they don't fucking add anything but you know i don't know how many times we have to tell this to the whole iwc that they don't contribute anything to the ecosystem at all so please Refrain from saying, oh, this is our pay-per-view. You're not allowed in because that's very, very stupid. And it basically just shows that you don't care enough about teamwork because it doesn't align with what you think and feel and how wrestling should just be for you. When you are in the wrestling business, there's a lot of I, 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 but it becomes very beautiful when it's we. And when the we is done correctly, it becomes very, very beautiful. Us as the internet wrestling community should be a we and start seeking out people, like myself included, who uses the word we rather than I. Just putting it out there. Okay. Let's get into this Forbidden Door 2 match card. And this is what I have so far. If any other matches get added between now, 6.23 until 6.25, we'll talk about it in an after review or you'll see me on other podcasters, podcast shows, and I'll talk about it there. But for now, these are the matches that we're going to go over. I guess let's talk about our two main events, if they're going to be the two main events. It is Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada. You guys know I have a hard time saying Okada's first name, but I got it. So this match is a dream match, supposedly. Like, it's not one of my dream matches. I don't really care too much about Brian Danielson at this moment. Like, I really don't. There's nothing that can bring back my really high enthusiasm for him when he was the American Dragon uh, during Ring of Honor back in the day, like super back in the day, because I got the chance to see him live a couple of times when Ring of Honor was around back then, like really back then. And then I think I saw him a couple of times, maybe in WWE during like WWE live events. Okada, he is the rainmaker. He is the top dog no matter where you go. And he's definitely the one that people talk about, especially with him versus Kenny Omega. That series, everyone talks about Okada. Okada currently is in his fuck them kids state and he's one of the guys right now that's like don't you fucking step up to me because I'm gonna fucking beat the shit out of you type and I'm fucking loving it however this match like I said is not my dream match it's gonna be a fantastic match Brian is gonna do the same shit that he always does Okada is probably gonna do the same stuff also but maybe do some different things in this match I really want to see who's going to come out on top. You need to have Okada win. There is no if, ands, or buts in this one. Like, Okada, like, needs to win this one. And if he does, he's going to go looking strong into the G1 this year. Brian is going to be in AEW. He's going to show up the next day. Like, if he suffers the loss, that's totally fine. Again, you know, I don't see... Danielson ever going to New Japan I would love him to go to New Japan maybe run a tour for one of the tournaments but I don't even think that's going to be happening so Japan has to come to him unfortunately so my pick for this one is going to be Okada Okada has to win like there is no ifs ands or buts for that one 
the next one is going to be one of my personal favorites, the one that I'm really looking forward to. It is for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Kenny Omega has yet to defend this fucking championship, and I hate when New Japan Pro Wrestling puts championships on guys who don't defend it in the United States of America. The more they defend it, the more they go on interviews and talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. New Japan, your subscription for the New Japan World Network is going to soar. Like, you're missing out on having Kenny Omega do a bunch of media stuff. And AEW can help with that media stuff, but nobody in AEW really does media like how WWE does media. Kenny Omega is facing Will Ospreay. This is Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay Part 2. If you guys heard my first review of their match back at Wrestle Kingdom, I really hated the fact that Ospreay lost that fucking match. I really did because I knew that Kenny was going to be stuck with a title. Kenny wasn't going to do shit with a title. And it's like, New Japan, stop trying to live in the past, uh, making Kenny Omega relevant because, let's face it, his time has come and gone. He was great in Japan for 10 years, but giving him the belt and not having him be the workhorse that he once was is not doing anybody any favors. And for AEW to not even showcase the belt as much is also like criminal, man. Like seriously, so what are we doing here? Like what are we truly doing here when New Japan gives some of these stars the championship belt? It may sound like I'm angry. I'm probably just frustrated that like every time this happens, it's like it doesn't benefit no one when something is shielded away, when something is not as the forefront as it should be. Will Ospreay, I respect Will Ospreay. I love Ospreay. Ospreay put on some very, very good matches. He has a very good work ethic as well. And he has a huge, fantastic heart for this business. I need Will Ospreay to get that IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship back and go into the G1 Climax 33 as a fucking champion and represent the United Empire like no one else can. I'm really hoping that Osprey wins this match against Kenny Omega. And I'm also hoping that Don Callis stays the fuck away from Will Osprey. Don, stay the fuck away from Osprey. Do not break up or enter United Empire. Do not do that. We do not need you. When I say we, I mean the United Empire. We do not need you at all. So Don, stay away from Will Ospreay. Stay away from the United Empire. The United Empire is already suffering the fact that Dan Maloney betrayed them and Aussie Open signed with AEW, even though everyone has given them praise and everyone has said congratulations. Congratulations are definitely in order for Aussie Open to sign with AEW, but I still feel like that was an underhanded tactic the way that it fucking happened. The way that it happened, like, I don't appreciate it. So I'm just going to say that do not break up the United Empire. Do not put any more wedges inside the United Empire. They are still recovering and they need to recover. So this is why I don't want Don nowhere near Will Ospreay or the United Empire. However, for this match, like I said, I need Will Ospreay to win. And I need him to bring that IWGP US Heavyweight Championship back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And enter in that G1 Climax 33 stronger than ever. Next, we have this 10-man tag at Forbidden Door. The Blackpool Combat Club, which consists of Willie Yuta, John Moxley, 
Claudio Castagnoli teaming up with Shota Umino and Kanosuke, taking on the elite, which is Hangman, Matt and Nick Jackson with Eddie Kingston and Tomohiro Ishii. For the record, guys, the way you pronounce Ishii is Ishii. No Ishii, just Ishii. That's all you have to say. Ishii. Do not say Ishii during Forbidden Door. It is just Ishii. None of the ring announcers and commentators such as Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly say Ishii. It's Ishii. Anyway, this 10-man tag... Why the fuck are we still doing this shit between the Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite? Why? Shouldn't the last match that was bloody and gory, like, not too long ago, shouldn't it have been, like, the blow-off match? Like, the match that was like, all right, this is done. We're no longer fighting each other? Like, I don't get it. I'm not really excited. I don't care. The Elite keeps working with the same people over and over and over and don't have any type of fresh ideas to bring into AEW. And you need to have fresh ideas and fresh opponents and build up the AEW pillars, but it's the same fucking shit. John Moxley is probably going to bleed in the first second of this match anyway. And I also need Shota Umino to move away from John Moxley because Shota Umino is an amazing wrestler. He is an amazing wrestler. He has an amazing look. He reminds me a lot of like Tanahashi and he needs to find his own character. He can't go off the tail of John Moxley. Like, I hate it. I really do, man. Shoda, get your own character, man. Sticking with John Moxley is not really going to fucking help. It really isn't. As for who wins, I don't really care. Now we have CM Punk versus Kojima. First of all, for years, Kenta has been wanting to fight CM Punk. Lately, he has been changing his tune because he wants the right amount of money in order to face CM Punk at Forbidden Door. Kenta is not wrong in this. But I will say this, and there have been other people in IWC who have said the same thing, that people want Kenta versus CM Punk because they think that Kenta is probably going to be that maybe 2016-ish era Kenta, the one that they all fell in love with, like, you know, Kenta Kenta. But for those of you guys that don't follow New Japan Pro Wrestling and you guys didn't watch Wrestle Kingdom, it should have been Wrestle Kingdom, and it was Kenta versus Tanahashi in a hardcore match. Tanahashi was refusing to do that match because Tanahashi does not do hardcore matches. But Kenta was insisting, and he insisted, 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 and got his way. During that match, Kenta took some pretty bad fucking falls in that hardcore match. After that hardcore match, Kenta is not the same. I can tell you for a fact that Kenta is not the same. I feel for him. I want to give him lots of hugs, and I just want to know that he's okay. But... You know, Kenta is not going to fight in these matches the same way that Kenta does. Ever since that match, that hardcore match, if you watch Kenta matches now, you know something is off. And I'm like, if Kenta ever decided to retire, that'd be okay. Kenta has nothing left to prove. Kenta's amazing. He's one of my favorites. I'm glad that I got the chance to watch Kenta 
live in Ring of Honor back in the day when they came to the Manhattan Center. I am so happy for that. One day I would love to interview Kenta, you know, just to talk about his matches and stuff like that. And by the way, if you guys have not checked out Kenta versus Loki, you guys should check that out. And, you know, you'll see there's a difference in the Kenta that we have now. And that's all thanks to the hardcore match. Mistakes happen in professional wrestling. Accidents happen in professional wrestling. It's a huge-ass contact sport. But I feel and understand for Kenta for why he wants so much money, whatever the number is, that he should get in his match with CM Punk. Now... We have CM Punk versus Kojima. The weirdest thing about this match setup is that Super Jcast had like put out a poll about, you know, who's going to be CM Punk's next opponent. And I think they were just doing that like sarcastically just to do it for the fans and engagement and stuff. And so Kojima won. And then all the dirt sheets are going through their timelines because, you know, the news is slow and stuff, so they just go and take it and report it as, oh, these are potential pitches for CM Punk to face. And then this one just happened to be the lucky one picked out, and Tony Khan ran with it. And I'm like, you guys make shit so fucking obvious that it doesn't even spring to be like, oh, my God, this is a genius idea. It's like, okay, cool. Like, now I'm not really interested knowing that like people scour the twitter timelines just to make their news or to try and get lucky and this is what happens but do not count out kojima yet kojima is a very highly decorated japanese wrestler and has amazing matches has held gold was working for noah for a little bit and you know coming back to new japan to have like this match with cm punk like, CM Punk is going to be in for a really brutal match. He better, you know, make sure that those tattoos don't get fucked up because Kojima is going to chop the shit out of him. As for who wins, Kojima. Because as much as I have grown in empathy for CM Punk over the last months, what feels like a fucking year because dirt sheets all across the board and fans can't get their story straight... It's always fuck CM Punk in my universe. If you know, you know. Oh, God. Now we have the AEW International Championship match, this Fatal 4-Way. So Orange Cassidy is the only one that's putting his championship title on the line. Shibata is not putting his championship on the line and Zack Sabre Jr. is not putting his championship on the line. And then we have the one who will not be named DG because why are we having this match? I understand that like everybody wants to fight Orange Cassidy for that championship belt, but I'm getting a little too tired or exhausted that a champion is going to go to a champion and be like, let's do title versus title. Like, what? Like, randomly, we're going to do title versus title? You know, I could understand if this was like a one-on-one Orange Cassidy versus Zack Zaber Jr. in like a non-title match just to test out their power and wrestling ability to see like who's really the better one because Orange Cassidy has this list of wrestling matches that he has uh, defending the championship belt and so has Zach so you know you want to find out who's the best that would have been a very good exhibition type of match but then we have a fatal four-way 
I don't know. I'm trying my best to like weave this in and out, but I really don't know. The one that would not be named GC wants a title shot against Shibata. Like Shibata is going to beat the shit out of you, dude. Like stop stepping up to people that you know you can't take on. Orange Cassidy is still champion and still has a broken wrist, apparently, right? And then Zack Zabry Jr. is being a workhorse, wrestling here, wrestling there, going here, going there, but still avoiding Jeff Cobb, even though Jeff Cobb, you know, still wants a title shot and, you know, needs a better way of how to defeat Zack Zabry Jr. As for the winner of this Fatal 4-Way match, I don't really care for this match at all. Now we come to the oddest matchup ever, which is MJF, our AEW world champion, taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. Like, you know, I wasn't expecting this. And again, this is not a dream match of mine. Like, it really isn't. It really is not. Tanahashi is such a big star that he's going to face MJF. And the thing is that MJF has been constantly constantly saying that new japan sucks new japan this new japan that he doesn't watch japan he doesn't you know care about the japanese wrestlers and stuff and you have tanahashi here being the huge baby face and being like he's going to get a united states belt one day and you know maybe at forbidden door that's his time and he gets the belt we all know that aw is not gonna put an aw championship on a Japanese wrestler. So what is the point of bringing in Tanahashi? You know, for the most part of every single time MJF talks about New Japan Pro Wrestling, he always puts over the Great Okan. Why is this not MJF versus the Great Okan? He's the only one that's been praising the Great Okan. So why not have the Great Okan like come to America for Forbidden Door to fight MJF? That will make more sense because at least MJF wants to wrestle a New Japan pro wrestler. Like, MJF does not care about Tanahashi, but he cares about the great Okan. That says a lot when he's doing his character work. And for Tanahashi just to be like, you know, I want to win a U.S. championship title and I'm going to start by maybe defeating MJF. Like, I don't know how well this is going to go. I'm very concerned for both parties because Tanahashi, you know, is not as fast or agile and you know he's not getting any younger mjf is in the prime of his career for being so young and you know to have this matchup it's gonna be mad weird i hope that it's not cringy and i hope that it's not embarrassing and i hope that they don't do anything stupid and embarrassing spots or anything that like it's just really in bad taste However, if this was the Great Okan, it would have worked because the Great Okan will play off of MJF's heel character. The Great Okan would do that. Tanahashi is such a babyface that it's not going to work right. That's why I'm also concerned for this match because of the matchup of the character that will go on in the story of the match. As for who wins... We all know MJF is retaining. Like, that's a no-brainer. Now we have the AEW Women's World Championship match, which has Tony Storm, who's our champion, versus Willow Nightingale, who's our New Japan Strong Women's Champion. Why? 
Now do you guys understand why I was talking about earlier that Jay White could have been on this pay-per-view despite that stupid ass stipulation because this is so AEW heavy based all the AEW wrestlers are putting their AEW championships on the line and yet then you're telling me that because of a stupid stipulation that AEW wrestler Jay White the leader of his Bullet Club Gold cannot be on this pay-per-view anyway this woman's match why are we having this woman's match this woman's match would have been great if it was Tony Storm versus somebody else from New Japan Strong and Willow Nightingale versus from anyone from New Japan Strong. Or they could have brought in any other female wrestler that they have to face them for their championship titles at Forbidden Door. They could have did open challenges at Forbidden Door for Canadian female wrestlers. That would have been a better opportunity, even though we know the Canadian female wrestlers were going to lose. But that's a better opportunity if you can't get any stardom women over to Forbidden Door to fly out to Canada. Which, by the way, the whole entire processing and making sure all the paperwork is in order, like, they got to work on that. Like, communication is key. If you know that Forbidden Door is coming up in June the busiest month and everyone is busy, you got to start that paperwork super early to make sure that you have them locked down and be like, hey, you're coming over to Forbidden Door. But AEW doesn't do that shit. So I don't know the story here. I don't know what's happening. People are probably just happy that it's a women's match and there's two women wrestlers fighting. And I'm like, well, you know, tell me a little bit more. Is it really bad to want to know story? You're trying to sell me on watching women's wrestling, watching men's wrestling, and you just want me to get excited over graphics. And this has nothing to do with the women in this match. It's just the idea of that you're trying to sell me on a graphic rather than trying to sell me on a story. How do you think most businesses stay alive? They sell you a story. They sell you a story that will fix your problem, okay? In this case, in professional wrestling, it's always been built on selling you a story so you can spend your money, right? When you want to go watch a movie and they have a trailer, they're trying to sell you on the trailer so you could go spend your money. When you look at a graphic for a professional wrestling event, there will always be a low chance of you going and spending the money because you want to make sure that the money is well spent, right? If you're just looking at a graphic, oh, it's a picture. All right, you know, you might get, let's say, eight out of the 10 people that look at a graphic to go watch that wrestling event and you missed out on 40 bucks, right? Because a ticket is like 20 bucks for like local terminology and shit, you know, just follow me here. So I'm just saying that like, it's not bad to have story in these matches to sell them on something so that way they can spend the money, okay? That's how businesses stay afloat is by selling you a story. Again, no shade to Tony Storm and Will Nightingale. Both of them made history at the last New Japan show where Willow defeated Mercedes Monet to become champion and Tony Storm showed up to defend her husband, Juice Robinson against Fred Rosser. 
By the way, why is Fred Rosser never on the Forbidden Door pay-per-views? Fred Rosser is an awesome champion and representative of New Japan Pro Wrestling on the American side. Why doesn't he not have a match at Forbidden Door? When he can make the town anywhere, if you ask him to. Like, why? As for who's winning, I don't know. But Tony Storm is going to retain that AEW Women's World Championship title. And I guess the last one, which is the most saddest one of them all, because this match should have never been fucking created. And I am very happy that Sonata said what he said. But this is the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title match. It was an open challenge invitation. And Jungle Boy, not Jack Perry, Jungle Boy accepted. Now, let me explain why I still call him Jungle Boy. And no one could get upset at me for this. Because ever since AEW was created, he has been known as Jungle Boy. His whole entire career, he has been known as Jungle Boy. The guy who looks like Tarzan. The guy who has a great look to be a model, to do whatever he wants to do after professional wrestling. Now you want to start calling yourself Jack Perry, but you still look and act like Jungle Boy. It makes no sense. If you want to get your real identity out there for the world to see and talk about you should have at least decided to either cut your hair wear some tights get a new gear get some new moves don't just come out in a jacket in a leather jacket because that doesn't mean anything oh my god do you know how many wrestlers come out in a leather jacket what does that really mean am i supposed to be afraid of you because you have a leather jacket am i supposed to believe in you because you have a leather jacket like, that doesn't make any sense to be part of your identity that you want to come out looking mean and tough and hard when you don't know the first thing about being mean, tough and hard by wearing a leather fucking jacket. No, you have the face of a baby face through and through. There is no changing of that baby face unless you do something drastic by getting some piercings, cutting your hair, making sure that like, you know, no wrestler can outmaneuver you or something like that and you take everything seriously and you believe in your heart of heart that you are jack perry and you are no longer jungle boy and the people who have bestowed the name jungle boy on you was just looking to get a very good laugh and this is why you decided to change to jack perry now that's a story that i can definitely follow however the recent comments that jungle boy made about like not wanting to do promos for 30 minutes or he just wanted to get into wrestling because it was cool that doesn't sit right with me now i understand that wrestling is cool we all love it and stuff but you have to take it seriously if you don't take it seriously you're gonna get hurt you shouldn't be in the business you could do commentary you could be a camera guy you could do whatever you want but if you don't take it serious and you just want to get into it for fun it really isn't for you and then for tony to push jungle boy into this match you made a really bad mistake because sonata is going to embarrass him jungle boy is gonna hold his own against sonata but sonata is a very good wrestler and people have been shitting on sonata's title reign 
First of all, the people that are shitting on Sonata's reign are not even watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. When you guys get a subscription to New Japan Pro Wrestling and you watch Sonata defend his championship title more than once, then you could talk shit if you want to. But I could tell you right now, you're not going to talk shit after you watch those matches. Or you can like come hang out with me and my live streams and listen to my podcast episodes. And the way that I talk about Sonata and his title reign. Sure, it's a very short title reign at the moment. And the people that they're giving him are amazing athletes. But there is not a deeply rooted story set up yet for Sonata to truly become that champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling. By the way, Sonata just goes to the beat of his own drum. He doesn't look like... All the other champions before him where, you know, after the chase, it feels good. Even when Okada was champion, there was this sort of like limbo time with Okada when he was champion. And I could feel that limboness again with Sonata. Like Sonata is just there floating and just waiting for that story to come. But then again, Sonata is one of those guys who's a fantastic wrestler. Until you get him off his game, and if you ever saw him versus Suji, oh man, Sonata was knocked off his regular strategy that he does for his matches, and that's a bad thing. Suji is going to become champion one day. Trust me on that. But this match here, Sonata is going to control the match. Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, is going to follow Sonata's lead. Jungle Boy can't lace Sonata's boots. Jungle Boy should not be in this fucking position right now. He has not earned it. He has not done anything different in AEW. He is complacent. There is no fire. There is no urgency in Jungle Boy. I do not believe a single thing that Jungle Boy does. Jungle Boy does the same shit in the matches. Like, come on, dude. If you're going to call yourself Jack Perry, you got to get different type of wrestling moves. You have to become who this Jack Perry is. And if you haven't, realize who Jack Perry is and stick to Jungle Boy. Because everybody knows Jungle Boy. And Jungle Boy is more marketable than Jack Perry. Now, if we talk about the Young Bucks, the Young Bucks, their name is still marketable, even though they are, you know, getting up there in age, but they still have Young Bucks like in their name. They haven't changed it. So, you know, Jungle Boy could do the same thing as he gets older. But this match here, I really don't like it. I wish we had someone different. You know, we could have had a Clark Connors in this match. We could have had a Dan Maloney in this match. We could have had a Alex Coughlin, Gabriel Kidd, David Finley in this match to fight Sonata for that championship title. Hell, we could have had Tama Tonga. Again, I ask you guys, where the fuck is Tama? Like, I need Tama to be on these pay-per-views. I need the biggest hits to be on this pay-per-view. Not Jack Perry. Christian could have challenged Sonata for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title. Anybody but Jack Perry, because it makes no sense. And after those comments, I would have been like, bro, you're going to be in the doghouse for a little bit. Like, you can't say you're a wrestler, want to represent AEW and still try to pass it off as like, oh, well, I'm still going to do what I want to do. Like, no, dude, like you just embarrass yourself, embarrass your company and embarrass wrestling by being like, oh, I don't want to do promos. 
Uh, I don't like doing promos. Um, I don't need 30 minutes for that. I'm not going to be at MJF. No one is telling you to go out there and do a 30-minute promo like MJF. MJF can do it because that is his character. Jungle Boy never really needed to talk. Maybe Jack Perry needs to talk, but Jack Perry doesn't have to do 30 minutes. Jack Perry can do like five minutes to get his point across. It's the same way of us having a conversation. Think of that. You're having a conversation with your best friend and you could turn that into a fucking promo. Even if the conversation is like five minutes and you want to know about your friend's day and your friend is like, yo, I never noticed that like the sky is blue and like not cloudy and then like your friend is like what are you talking about it's cloudy over here and you get into an argument bam fucking promo it's not that difficult kid like learn some shit okay jack perry versus sonata for this iwgp world heavyweight championship title is probably going to be decent thanks to sonata am i thrilled absolutely not because there are way more higher caliber guys that could have been in this fucking spot. I'm just saying that. Maybe I'll understand it after the fact, but there should have been different people because it was an open challenge. And then Jack Perry just put himself in there like, what? No. So the winner for this match is definitely going to be Sonata. Sonata's the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He has to fucking win. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this wonderful episode of the Square Circle Podcast. If anybody has any other opinions, thoughts, comments, you can send them over to squaredcirclepodcast at outlook.com. You can also leave a voice message inside my Discord. The link to the Discord will be down in the description below. You got to make sure you got to leave it in the hotline section so that way I can listen to it and maybe play it on the next episode and talk about it. But yeah, if any of this got you upset or you want to comment or you want to further elaborate, by all means, drop me a email, voice message. You could also find me on Twitter at Marie underscore Shadows. Make sure to sign up to my wrestling newsletter, which is an extension of everything that I do here and live streaming. So head over to marieshadows.substack.com and sign up. When you sign up, you could get 15% off for one year. And please make sure to read the description for any other ways to help support myself and the channel and the brand and the podcast and everything like that my next booking for goddesses of war wrestling is july 8th i am still accepting sponsorships so don't wait and let's collaborate and let me get your brand name out there all right ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to an episode of the square circle podcast i am your host marie shadows and i'll see you guys on the next one